Hello and welcome to the podcast, Mosaic Art Behind the Scenes. This is the fifth episode, and today we have a great mosaic artist who is located in San Antonio, Texas, by the name of David Chigi, a graduate from the University of Texas in Austin with a degree in political science and foreign languages. He also went to graduate school for his degree in psychology and spent his career working in the special education field. He currently has his mosaic studio and his residence in San Antonio, where he teaches and creates very original mosaic art with ceramics. I am honored to have a great person join the podcast, so please let me present you, David Chigi. Thank you for having me, and uh, it is true. I I really started my first uh, mosaic other than an ashtray at a church camp. Yeah, I read that. Probably eight years old uh, was um, creating a a small mandala that you would hang, kind of a sun catcher, something you'd hang in your window. And I literally uh, started doing those when, that was probably in about 2002, and I made hundreds of those. I got kind of obsessed with those, <laughs> and I loved really hunting for the glass. The glass was really part of the exciting part, because you had to actually look at the glass to make sure it would uh, be really rich uh, when it's up in the window and the light behind it. So I did that. And uh, what happened was I, uh, about three years into that, I got an email uh, from a landscape architect in New York wanting me to do an outside feature for a residence. And uh, basically, uh, by doing that commission, I had money, which mm-hmm. I could <laughs> then kind of reinvest. And I, I found out more about the world of mosaics. And I started taking workshops. My first uh, mosaic workshop was with Ilana Shafir, um, who you may you know, people may know about. She was uh, an Israeli artist, and she's pretty well known for her unique mosaics, which included lots of her personalized uh, ceramic creations. Does she reside in the U.S.? Those. Or no, she she actually uh, resided in uh, Israel. Okay, and she would come to the U.S. Uh, she, the The first time I met her, she was at the SAMA conference, the first SAMA conference in Chicago. I think that was two thousand and six, and I kind of weaselled my way into being her helper during that workshop she gave because <laughs> I couldn't get into the workshop because I was too late. But yeah. Uh, because they they'd sell out pretty fast. She said, "Why not?" So, so anyway, I got to know her that way, and then I I actually took two workshops, a four day workshop at the Chicago Mosaic School uh, in two thousand and six, I believe. Later, and then the next year I took it again. It was a two day workshop. What I found is that if you if you go to a really great workshop, you can only take in as much as you are ready to take in. Yeah, and uh, what I knew is after the four days, there was a lot more I really could take in if I could just go back. Yeah. So I think that was starting, that was kind of the beginning of uh, looking at ceramics as part of a mosaic. And I think I finally, uh, at first I kind of discounted creating my own ceramics simply because I didn't really have the background and it became totally clear that her work 
would not be what it is if she didn't create so many of those ceramic elements. Yeah. So that was kind of the seeds for me to integrate ceramics into my work. Um, well, you've been doing a lot of work. I just saw your uh, webpage also, uh, artclassmosaics.com, actually, if you guys want to look at it. I know in audio, people who are listening to this podcast, um, you can look at the website or you can look at the YouTube channel to um, see this actual video. He's actually in the studio right now. I can see these beautiful mosaics in the background. So he's been doing them uh, ever since he's... I mean, he... He learned about them way back, but he just recently, like once he started to discover and after the what he said about the Chicago Mosaic School, which is one of the schools that are in the U.S. that teaches different um, workshops and just it's a very, very nice community over there in Chicago. Um, I've, um, I've, I've met the, the founder and, and she's really nice. I think it's... Uh, Amy, is that her name? Is uh, uh, Karen Ami. Karen Ami, yeah, exactly. And um, very nice people, but... Um, I'm glad you you are trying all these techniques, all these uh, experiments, and because that's what it is with mosaics. You know, after you start uh, knowing a little bit, I know when you take a workshop, uh, you learn as much as you can take, like you said, because there's so much information. I mean, I went to school for three years, and I learned with time. You know, basically, and we didn't even touch class till the second year, so. I can understand you what it is, and and that's how I treat when I teach mosaics. I I try to teach things that they could use uh, right away once they leave that workshop until they get some other more information. That way, they'll go step by step. Honestly, Carlos, when I found out that you had uh, attended the school for three years in Italy, I was <laughs> so impressed. <laughs> and I, I someday someday I want to sit down with you and just. Yeah, hang out. Take definitely. everything that you can share with me about that. Um, in any case, yeah, I, I kind of learned mosaics in a different way. First, by just self being self-taught, but then I really uh, realized how important it was to get some really good uh, education, get a solid foundation, and um, and it's still you know I still am learning on my by myself too. I, I had wanted to uh, take a workshop uh, and learn more about slate. I had never used oh, yeah. slate before. Yeah. But during the pandemic, check out all these slate artists that yeah, yeah, yeah. they're doing. And I bought some slate tile uh, from a materials uh, rock yard, basically. And I started making some slate work. So uh, I really love slate. Can you can you um, detail on how you cut the slate a little well, bit? Because some people don't. I mean, they've never used it before, and right, I, I've I, used it a couple of times. So they're like very thin layers. So yes. um, maybe you can kind of be a little bit more descriptive on like how someone sure. who who wants to work with that can kind of have a better idea before they take a workshop or something. So first of all, I thought you needed to have like a wet saw to cut it. Okay. But in fact, I have never used a wet saw in any of my pieces so far. Although yeah. I bought a wet saw, okay, <laughs> okay, uh, just just to, so I could really start. But I learned that um, through YouTube that um, there's one artist, and I've forgotten who that is right now. But uh, that person actually would use uh, the blade on a wood planer. So if you think about planing wood by hand, yeah. There is a wide um, 
thin blade that is used, that is attached to that tool. And if you buy that, which you can online, yeah, uh, you can use that as um, instead of a chisel trying to split yeah. the, the end, the you know the layers of the slate. You can put that up. Uh, Is it kind of like grinding cheese in a way? Kind of like grinding cheese going going yes. downwards from the top. And then you have a little hammer and you tap the yeah. the top of that blade okay. into the slate. And it works really nicely. Mm. I mean, it's a great tool for slicing uh, the slate into layers. Now, once those layers are in are thin layers, then what I would do is sometimes I would use uh, wheeled nippers yeah. to further reduce that, and also um, other kind of um, tools that you use to to actually uh, break pour. Um, do you do you use a specific nipper that you like? Because I know some are like uh, the width of the the cut that you can do. Some are smaller and some are bigger than other ones. And then some are wheels that have like tungsten carbide or they have like these uh, uh, just stainless steel. So do you use a specific brand or do you have one that you like most that's lightweight? Because I know some people don't like them because the hand hurts after a while. Well, my hands are really strong, so I never <laughs> worry about that. But I think, at least for the stone, yeah, for the slate, I like um, using just lipinets. Oh, okay. Now, when I'm doing my glass work, uh, and I'm looking at little pieces of glass, I'd be using montelits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because they they those are and, nice. You know, they I use them totally when I am cutting like gold smalty, but usually I use them for just smalty. Now, big pieces of smalty, I'm going to use the hammer and hardy. So you basically use all the tools that you that you've learned from these workshops. I mean, you you're using the hammer. Um, do you have two tungsten carbide size, or is it just one? For the people who are listening, there are hammers that weigh different. Some weigh more than others. Some have two tungsten carbide. There's actually like an Italian hammer also that they sell, and it's just, it's it's very very interesting because some people would think, ah, I'm just going to get a hammer, but there's different things about it. There there are really all kinds of hammers, and I think. Uh, I think there are people that buy every kind of hammer there is. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sure. And of course, I I bought some. I bought a hammer before I knew anything. But they're not they're not cheap, David. No, are they? they're not cheap. Yeah. Now they're a lot more expensive now than they were. Yeah. But, uh, yeah I guess uh, one thing I would advise is don't try to go for the heaviest hammer. Yeah. You know, I kind of thought that you needed a heavy hammer to actually cut the material. Yeah. But in reality, you don't. No. So now necessary. I buy pretty lightweight hammers. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I found that out when I finished school and I went to work for the Mosaic Studio in Colorines in Mexico. And they have, they make their own hammers. I don't know if you know that. Oh. But they make these really thin hammers and they're just stainless steel. I don't think they even have tungsten carbide on the sides. But they cut glass really well. And it's, it's, they're very light just because the projects are so big. I mean, once you work in a studio, when you have like 20 or 30 people working on a project, um, after a while, your hand gets tired, you know, if it's like a full-time job for people who are there all day, like from Monday through Saturday, and they just keep cutting and cutting, like a 950 gram, which is, I think that's the heaviest, it just hurts after a while. Right. That's way too heavy. Yeah. Um, Even if you're Popeye. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to tell you that's another thing I'm really impressed by you, Carlos, and that is working in Mexico at Colinas. Yeah, um, um, I had wanted to. They used to. I think there was a way to take a workshop there. Yeah, they uh, had in the workshops past. in the past. I know. Well, they did like these residencies, I think, and people would go down there and then they would uh, work on a certain project and then they would kind of teach every once in a while some workshops. But they're they're it's they're a company, so it's they're more interested in like the big projects, like subway projects and just murals all over the world. So um, even it's even hard to get into like buy materials sometimes, um, just because you have to. It has to be kind of like by an appointment, and and the colors are. There's not like a like a like a palette really. I mean, they're just these big bags of just small tea all over the place, which is just it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like well, I love Mexican small tea. Yeah. Do you you like the two tones? The reason the reason is because oftentimes. Um, the surface of the smalty will be different from the inside of the smalty. Mm-hmm. And the backside of the smalty could be a different shade or value than any of the other two. And so you can buy one color of smalty and you may end up with three v- versions of that. So uh, what that does is just increase my palette tremendously. Yeah. And and what I like to do with the Mexican small tea is oftentimes I like to uh, facet using wheeled nippers. Yeah. The surface. Mm-hmm. And um, so you can have so like what you're getting two-tone. is both the t- surface color and then inside color. Yeah. Uh, which adds to the richness of the mosaic for me. Yeah, that's that's great. I do that with uh, marble. Like, uh, if I have, like, a certain, I'm doing, like, a portrait or something, and I have a piece of uh, kind of um, travertine marble, and I just want to kind of get, like, a little piece of the inside, I'll chip it off with the hammer and just, just use that, just kind of like what you're doing with the small tea. Just because the Mexican small tea does have a variation of colors for people um, who don't know the small tea compared to the Italian small tea, which is more common. Um, that normally people would buy, which is their Sony one, and then there's the Dona, and there's a new new person that participates. His name is Federico Morasuti. He has these new glass small tea that are very cool because he worked in Visatza for like 30 years. So so he does. He's not a mosaic artist. He just makes this glass, and he makes like like what you're saying, like these colored small tea with like all these colors inside. You should look up the website. I think it's Morasuti. Uh, Mosaichi, I think that's what's dot com. I will. But interesting, Definitely. yeah. I mean, the whole world of color in small tea is interesting, you know, compared to uh, the the mosaic glass compared to stained glass. I mean, they're both amazing, but they're just that how you how you feel them, right? Like, you, there's a big difference between feeling stained glass, which is kind of thin, and then the the roughness of the thickness of a small tea tessera that you could normally use to make them. You can have dimension, texture. Those kind of things. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I saw, like, now that we're talking about dimensions, I saw the, the piece that, um, I don't know if you're really famous for it, but I know a lot of people just love this piece. It's called Tribal Rhythm. And um, can you explain this to the audience that's listening to this podcast? What what uh, what did sure, you create I, with that? Because it's, it, you know, it's I'm looking at it in my studio right now, which... 
And it's for so sale. It, it's really <laughs> kind of at the beginning stage. So yeah. clearly I'm not famous. I'm not famous for anything, I don't think. But um, right now, uh, where I am is I have, uh, I developed the, the design. And then what I did was um, I worked with uh, terracotta slab. So I rolled out terracotta to about half an inch thick thickness. Yeah. And then I transferred the design uh, that I'm creating uh, on top. And then I used uh, tools to cut out um, elements based on the design. And I, uh, so I did that and I let those elements um dry so that they could be fired okay yes we're but listening before i did that i made sure that on the back of each piece i numbered them yeah, <laughs> so I, yeah like so a mosaic once i uh, got them out of the kiln i would know where they actually go so um so right now I'm staring at this. What I yeah. what I have is a triptych. I've you can move the camera cameras. if you like, so people who watch the video, oh. if you want, you could yeah, you could show it to us. That way, uh, people who are listening can go on to uh, the YouTube channel okay. and can check it out. He's actually in the studio, and it just looks very nice. I like people's uh, art studio. So well, there's a so yeah. if you can see that. So I have the three. Um, the three panels, they're about a foot and a half uh, wide by two feet tall, and they're on weedy board. Okay. And I framed them with um, aluminum, uh, angle aluminum. Yeah. So they're framed and ready to go. And then uh, what I did was... Um, uh, can you see that? Yeah, and and these pieces are, are uh, for people who are listening. The wedding board is just a board that you use for bathrooms in a way that's very light, so that way your mosaic won't be heavy once it's done. And what I'm looking through the video um, is just he's done these ceramic terracotta pieces, and they're just um, very. It gives kind of like an optical illusion look to it, and they're lines, but they're like encrusted, and it has kind of like this certain design that he has made. And they're different colored because obviously the terracotta um, is just makes diff different colors of the browns. So that's like the base for it. And the, there's spaces in between these pieces that he's made and he's cooked. Um, and I'm sure you're going to put glass in between them. Yes. What I'll be uh, doing is actually... Um, Cutting the uh, smalty yeah. to um, go in the channels. Okay. And so uh, basically what's possible is that you can have different levels of the glass. Yeah. And uh, actually I'm waiting on some glass from uh, D Mosaic to come in uh, this week. Okay. Because I need to have uh, the B cuts or the pizzas. Yeah. Uh, because this is a this is a bigger the designs are bigger and I wanted to have um, I wanted to be able to use more di dimensional uh, small tea. Yeah, what's the uh, thick areas. what's the thickness of these pieces that you've made with terracotta? Well, I think the pieces are uh, generally um, I I think maybe three eighths. 
Three eighths. Okay. Um, I'm debating whether or not that was too thick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> For the glass, you can put around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's like an experiment, and um, yeah. I kind of equate mosaics to problem solving. It always seems like I'm always having to solve some issue, you know? Yeah. Uh, how, how does this really speak? Is this really expressing what I want it to express? Is there a better way for me to do this? Uh, if I look at the Andamento, I actually, uh, before we started the call, I was actually uh, taking uh, one of the designs and experimenting with the, the way I was going to cut the pieces. Yeah, so exactly. So I, I was drawing out possible andamento yeah to get a feel for what really would express what i want which is i want to have movement and i want to have rhythm and uh i have a pretty clear idea of how i create rhythm in my pieces yeah. i i like to have this um contrast between uh glass which is really alive and then the terracotta which is really kind of yeah and the color combination is also important right like after all that you have to think about what kind of colors you want to use Right, and and with that terracotta, actually, what I've done when I when the clay was still um, wet, uh, I added um, oxides, okay, which are color pigments, yeah. basically, and I added, I brushed those on, mm-hmm. and uh, that was well. I guess I first you glazed them kind the the clay, okay, and then I did the 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 kind of liquid oxides, mm-hmm. and then I rubbed them off. So the reason we see different colors with that fired terracotta now is because yeah. of the oxides I used. And you know, sometimes you don't really well, not sometimes you never really know what you're going to get. Yeah, so exactly uh, part of the art, part especially in ceramics, right? Like ceramics, it's way different than um, just having glass come in and just kind of use what. Yes, and and I have to tell you, I really lucked out there. The sec, after the second workshop with Ilana Shafir, I came home and I at that time there were still like phone books, you know, mm-hmm. and I went through the phone book trying to see if I had if we had any uh, ceramic studio in town. And mm-hmm. San Antonio is a pretty large town, so you yeah. know, chances are we probably could have something. And I found one, and I called up um, the person the owner, and I told her that I didn't want to throw a pot, and I didn't <laughs> want to learn about all the chemistry. I know there's all kinds of chemistry with ceramics and oh, glazes, yeah. and I didn't care. All I wanted to do was play. I wanted to play with clay to put into my mosaics, mm-hmm. and I wanted to play with glazes. And she was thrilled because she didn't have people like me show up. Yeah, long. exactly. It's a good conversation. So uh, that's... And you got the whole so roll. You got you the roller to too. Stuff out there, and and uh, you got the yeah, whole thing for ceramics. Going, but just try it. Yeah, you got the whole thing for ceramics, like the roll rolling out the the clay. Well, and you know that that's the good thing about a studio. You can you can uh, rent time or access, uh, so you can okay. use their tools. Yeah. Uh, in this case, uh, the owner of that studio retired, but she has her own studio in her house. Hmm. So she invited me over, and so I did. We did the rolling, and then I brought it back here. I did yeah. all the cutouts. I dried it here. Took it back to her big kiln because she has a kiln, obviously. But yeah, you can do it at a local studio. It's there's a lot of different ways. You don't have to buy all that. I'm sure you remember what temperature you uh, you cooked that ceramic to, right? 
over like what 1800 well, <laughs> maybe actually actually <laughs> i didn't i don't know no? because i just i loaded the kiln yeah and she she pressed she put the, the temperature on and i yeah. came back in two days so yeah yeah it takes <laughs> yeah and you know the, the reality is even if i were in the the commercial studio if i was i went over to the studio that she had I would do the same thing. I would have uh, I would have rolled out the thing there. Yeah. I would have taken it home because I'd rather work, spend my hours in my studio here. Then I would have dried it here, the pieces, and then I would have taken it back there, and they would have loaded it in the in their kiln, and yeah. I would have paid them for the firing. Yeah. So in fact, I did more working with my friend because I loaded all my pieces. Yeah. Which is a good thing. No, it's awesome. But I, I have to tell you, you know, you think, you know, you draw it all out perfectly, right, from the design. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have it dried. And, of course, it's going to shrink. So that's going to change everything. And then you put it in the kiln. But there's like these little kiln elves that I don't know what happens, but it always seems like there's some pieces missing. <laughs> you know, there's just yeah. some pieces missing, yeah. which... For me, I don't worry about it because it just provides me another opportunity to use a similar material, a color material, in that place. Mm -hmm. um, and what it does is kind of add the surprise. If someone really looks closely at my mosaics, yeah. they'll qu quickly see that it's not perfect at all. There's a lot uh, they they may think I did it on purpose, but probably yeah. I was solving a problem. And that's that's some, that's what happens when when you're a mosaic artist and when you're an artist like that. When you work with these materials, you you discover things like you said. It's a puzzle, right? And and most right. people, you know, it's funny because when I teach the workshops, and 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 we draw the design underneath the mosaic. So when they encounter a certain problem, and they're stressing about it, I'm like, remember we drew it. Like no one's gonna see the design underneath it. Just as long as you know the technique, just try to go around it. If you already did something that's not going towards the fundamental that you wanted to, just don't worry about it. Just draw that little line and just forget about that little line that we drew and just add a bigger piece. And then I won't say anything, <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah, fine. And then they, because it, sometimes it's kind of stressful, like when they try to figure, um, try to follow the design exactly how it is. But most artists, uh, when they do mosaics, it's, we try to go by the lines, but sometimes, like you said, you have to experiment. And I think that's great. I think you're doing a great job. These pieces are awesome. I like them. I mean, every time I, I look at it, I think it's very original. And now that you tell me this, that how they come out after they're in the kiln, I think it's uh, it gives it another uh, great point to talk about. Great conversation when you're you know when when someone wants to take this piece home. So. And and right. when you come to North Carolina, because you said you were going to come, I have a surprise for you because we're making some glass here in North Carolina, and um, I'm going to give you some pieces so you could take back. So oh hopefully you could come over here sometime soon, and then uh, I'll show you what we're doing besides just the workshops and things like that. I can't wait. Our daughter lives uh, in North Carolina. I don't think very far away from you. So yeah, you know I think. Um, you know, after the pandemic kind of settles down, we'll be going up there to visit. So. Yeah, because you live in San Antonio, right? Right, right. So um, I'm going to try something new with this podcast. So you're going to be the first one to try it out, David. I'm going to okay. I'm going to say um, five words related to mosaics, and then just tell me 
off the bat, what's in your mind and what you think of these uh, words once I say them. Is that good? Yeah. All right. Mosaics. Fast. Oh, you want me to respond right now? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll say the words, and then you'll respond, and then uh, just whatever comes out, out of your mind. Like, when I say the word, just, just say, uh, oh, like, for instance, right now, mosaics. Um, imperfection, becoming perfect. Perfect. How about andamento? Flow, direction... Color. Color depends on what colors are around the color. Nice. <laughs> colors always changing. On <laughs> Certain waves changing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. How about uh, Tessera? Well, uh, Tessera, that that's that's what mosaics is all about. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And if you don't know what Tessa is, look it up. You'll definitely know what, what it is, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'll make the last one easy. Uh, hammer or Hardy? I mean, uh, Hammer or uh, Nippers? Each has its place. There you go. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Great. I, use, I use both. You use both? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once once you're in it in this uh, medium or even with ceramics, I think everybody has both. You know, they just use them for certain projects. Well, I think that was interesting. You know, we get a better idea of what you have in your mind. And you know what? I call it like the zone, like when people do mosaics. So when people tell me, you must have a lot of patience when you do mosaics i'm like ah, it's not patience like it's it's a mind game in there it's a it's a it's like i go i'm a vikings fan right i'm a minnesota vikings fan i grew up there so i'm i'm like ready to kick the the final field goal to make it to the you know to the final super bowl game and right. i gotta i gotta find where where i need to kick that ball when i'm doing mosaics i mean i even have those kind of thoughts in my head when i'm trying to construct things i don't know if you have that too but i just think it's very fun and, and i'm glad you're doing it and you're having a blast and i can tell you have the workshop so if people in san antonio listen to this podcast please look up david you'll definitely have a lot of fun over there with him with some workshops and and he will teach you a lot of things that he's been learning with these great artists like he commented you know one thing um I think I was trained to ask certain questions when I'm working. And before I start a project, the question that I ask is, why mosaic? Why am I using this, mos this medium to try to express this? And I think some ideas and some concepts lend themselves to mosaics in ways that painting doesn't or drawing. Um, so... Uh, I guess that's one of the things about my work. I always, always consider why am I doing a mosaic of this? How does this really, how does this really create something that's yeah. unique? No, and and it shows. I mean, from what I see from your webpage, it, I I get the feeling when I look at it. I mean, I I'm I'm used to looking at a lot of mosaics from around the world. I just had an interview from a friend of mine from Croatia, and he does really cool stuff too. But uh, just there's certain artists that just have it, have a feeling for it, and, and they express their feelings 
while making these great mosaics and then obviously when they're done that same feeling stays on with that mosaic and i think you have that and i think a lot of mosaic exactly. artists and that's why i'm doing this podcast because it um not just looking at the mosaic but also what is behind the scene of the artist who makes that mosaic and because a picture you know picture uh with a painting is it's okay but with the mosaic it's not the same in looking at a picture online than being actually in the gallery and looking at these great mosaics but you know uh i guess that's what we we have to keep going and doing these exhibitions in person to keep this going and it, we, we will eventually I think so. I guess uh, I think pretty soon we're going to be um, if we if we continue to do virtual exhibitions, I think they're going to have a lot more short video that gives you a a better feel of the dimensions, the texture, uh, and things like that. Um, I think that's going to be very helpful in the future. Yeah. Definitely. I commented on um, having like these 3D cameras uh, for the next exhibitions that they're doing in CMA. Um, right. Because that would help a lot. Like have someone, I mean, someone could send the work somewhere to a certain, you know, place where a studio where someone is just has some space to put like all these mosaic art pieces and then just have like this 3D camera and just go around and, and, and tape all of them in 3D. And I think that would be really cool. But I don't know. My mind just only has certain enough space to um, to do all these things, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I think I got to keep focusing on uh, the glass material and the, the projects that we have coming up for 2022. But it was a pleasure. I, uh, recently, I was yeah. um, visiting a a um, well known mosaic artist who does uh, public work. Okay. Here in San Antonio, he does really large uh, public uh, mosaics. And uh, I took a picture of him. Yeah. And I, I put it on the Facebook page of the Austin Mosaic Guild. Okay. Uh, and shared a link about his work. And But the Facebook asked if you want to have it be a 3D picture. Oh, yeah. When you're putting it on. And I, I said yes. And so it's so interesting it looks like you're right there with him. It's amazing. You know, it's like, gosh, it's shocking. Yeah. So that's another thing that I think that we're going to just be able to see so much more yeah. um, of the real medium of mosaic in the future. That's a good example. Um, so <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. And, you know, if we go way beyond the metaverse, uh, I was talking to a friend who does uh, web design. I mean, a little bit out of the subject of the mosaics, but... What's going to happen with public art in the virtual reality world, you know, when people, um, how is that going to work? But I don't know. That's just something else to think about I, in the future. I don't know, but I, I have uh, a person who has a, um, a, a sign company. He told me he went to a conference recently. Yeah. And that the ability to reproduce paintings is so good now, including brush strokes and texture and yeah. the surface that he was he didn't really know my work but he yeah he said you know there's coming a point where <laughs> you're yeah. going to be creating this just without you so, yeah but i thought you know mosaics will be the last one <laughs> yeah mosaics <laughs> will be i think it's really well they'll have to have your permission create, i think what they'll have to have your permission i mean because 
no uh, one's going to make it, anything, you know, like what you're making, for instance. Right, right. Uh, so that's a good thing because you're going to get to paid eventually. Work is, yeah. I want to make it so it's difficult for someone else to recreate. Yeah. Like it's it's that unique that it just would be hard for them to do it because yeah. it's your own handwriting. It's your own way of doing it. So I look at it as a legacy. To be honest with you, I look at it as something, I mean, every time I make something, and I like, uh, there's this quote that you said, beauty is not necessarily about something being perfect or whole. And you know what? That's one of the things that I take to mosaics, what I do. I don't, I'm not going there to make it perfect. I'm not going there to follow a design specifically. And that's why I just didn't really stay in, in mosaic studios that are really like, just professional they'll grab a painting from someone an artist and they'll just or do logos and things like that um i like them and i and i learn from it but i think the world's not perfect we're not perfect and i think we could show it with mosaics and they look and i could like i always say you can never go wrong with the mosaic i mean they're broken how can you go wrong the only thing we're doing <laughs> is we're fixing them you know and uh they That's leave right. they leave pretty happy after the workshop um yeah. Well, you know what? I love talking to you, man. To be honest with you, David, I think it was a uh, it was a pleasure. Next time, I hope to invite you again because you have a lot of things to talk about, and especially like maybe the workshops next time that you do and what kind of workshops you do. And um, I had a blast. To be honest with you, it was a good chat I too. And yeah, maybe next time I'll have tribal rhythm finished. Yeah, and that way you could show us exactly. You might even yeah. have it sold by then. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you never know. Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking me into your studio. And everything's looking good in the background. So have a good okay, day. Well. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. You take care, Carlos. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That was David Chigi from San Antonio, Texas. Great mosaic artist. Stay tuned for the next episode. Have a good day.